For those remaining in the auditorium, as well as those watching online, let's take our Bibles first, if you would, over to the book of Amos. Amos chapter 8. We are going to move towards 2 John, the small letter of 2 John this morning, but before we get there, take your Bibles, if you would, and head to Amos chapter 8. We are wrapping up for another year our Bible reading plan, our Robert Murray McShane Bible reading plan, and we will make those available yet again as we come into another new year. And uh, I was speaking with the Titus II Saints on Friday, and the Bible reading for part of the Bible reading for that day was Amos chapter 8, and this verse stood out to me, and I wanted to read it and talk through it a little bit. Uh, as means of introduction this morning before we get into the letter of 2 John. So Amos chapter 8 and verse 11. Behold, the days are coming, declares the Lord God, when I will send a famine on the land. Not a famine of bread, nor a thirst for water, but of hearing the words of the Lord. There are different types of famines, and certainly the nation of Israel had been subject to physical famines as God's means, one of God's means of bringing them back to Him. The struggles in life oftentimes, or certainly can be, means of God's grace, not means of His judgment, although that is certainly also the case. But even in judgment, God gives grace so that rather than running further from him, we are brought back to him. As I have said repeatedly, God will oftentimes bring us to the place where he is all we have to remind us that he is all we need. But here, although in this book there are mentions of locusts and physical calamities because of Israel's sin, there's a different type of famine. It is a famine of hearing the word of God. It is a dearth of truth. And I would dare say in our society today, we are experiencing that, by and large, not because we do not have access to enough information, but perhaps and especially because we have access to too much. Our feet in the morning probably have not yet even hit the floor and we have already grabbed that device that is on our nightstand and have already begun to check what's going on. And before we are even fully awake, our minds have already been inundated with our streams of news, social media, what happened while I was asleep. I didn't really want to sleep because I thought I might miss out on something that's going on, but I kind of had to because I don't want to die. But uh, now I'm awake. What's going on? What's happening? We are inundated with information. Almost every YouTuber out there opens their YouTube video with, hit that subscribe button, hit that notification button, and make sure the bell's on. You don't want to miss. Throughout the day, constantly, ding, 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 notification. What's going on? What's happening? What's happening? Who's going what? What's happening? Typically, though, the information that we have coming at us is from a source or sources that we already agree with. 
So not only are we inundated with too much information, which is a distraction, we are inundated with information coming from one ideological stream, which means we live in an echo chamber that we have built. And the only voices that we hear, by and large, are the ones that already sound like us. And so in this environment comes this pandemic, and we have these truths. Hey guys, the mainstream media is going to tell you this, but this is the real story. Watch this video by this guy. Watch this post by this person. This is the real truth. They're hiding the truth from you, but I, I have the real scoop. You got to listen to this, watch this, read this. Why is it that we seem to have an insatiable appetite for things that are not God-honoring? And we seem to be blasé and apathetic to the things of truth. If we were to say we're going to have somebody here and they're going to speak truth to us, unless they were one of our tribe and unless the topic matter was what we wanted presented, we'd be hard-pressed to gather a crowd. But if somebody came in who was going to teach on the particular ideological thing or from our political party or our pet thing that we've been posting on Facebook for the last 18 months and no one's listening to me, we could gather a crowd fairly easily. God says to the nation of Israel, a famine is coming. But it's not the kind of famine that you have been used to or you know. This famine is a famine of hearing the words of the Lord. And I pray to God that we are not there, nor that we will get there here at Grace Baptist Church and beyond. But I do believe we have been distracted. And so turn with me, if you would, to the little letter of Second John. And I want to read it together in your hearing this morning and then see what God has for us from it. All the way almost to the back of your Bibles, the little letter of Second John. The elder to the elect lady and her children, whom I love in truth, and not only I, but also all who know the truth, because of the truth that abides in us and will be with us forever, grace, mercy, and peace will be with us from God the Father and from Jesus Christ the Father's Son, in truth and love. I rejoiced greatly to find some of your children walking in the truth, just as we were commanded by the Father. And now I ask you, dear lady, not as though I were writing a new commandment, but the one we have had from the beginning, that we love one another. And this is love, that we walk according to his commandments. This is the commandment, just as you've heard from the beginning, so that you should walk in it. For many deceivers have gone out into the world, those who do not confess the coming of Jesus Christ in the flesh. Such a one is the deceiver and the antichrist. Watch yourselves. They may not lose what we have worked for, but may win a full reward. Everyone who goes on ahead and does not abide in the teaching of Christ does not have God. Whoever abides in the teaching has both the Father and the Son. If anyone comes to you and does not bring this teaching, do not receive him into your house or give him any greeting, for whoever greets him takes part in his wicked works. Though I have much to write to you, I would rather not use paper and ink, 
Instead, I hope to come to you and talk face to face so that our joy may be complete. The children of your elect sister greet you. This is also the word of God. I don't know if you picked up on it, but there is a word in this little letter that appears numerous times, and it is the word truth. And so our title and theme for this morning's sermon is that. It is this reality of truth. A concept that seems to be in short supply in our culture, particularly because we already have our preconceived notions of things, our opinions and perspectives, and these have risen to the level of truth, because of course, we're awesome, we're amazing, why would we have any thoughts that would be wrong? So clearly our way of seeing things, our perspective on things is the right way and everyone else is wrong. And we have elevated ourselves to the level of God's and therefore we have billions of truths. However, we know that that is not true. And thanks be to God that he has revealed to us what truth actually is and it's him. And so notice in the first place then that truth is an enduring reality. Here we have an introduction, fairly standard greeting. We believe, although there are many options, that the best way to take this is that this is the Apostle John writing to a church and the people in the church. So the elect lady, the church, and her children, which are the people that make up the church. And so in the first place then, as we see truth as an enduring reality, we see a community of true love. Whom I love in truth, and not only I, but also all who know the truth. I do not believe that what John is saying is I love in truth in the sense that I'm, I'm truly love, I, I, I'm true when I'm saying that I love you. I, it's genuine, it's not disingenuous. I think what he's saying is not that I love you in truth or truly I love you. What he's saying is I love you because of the truth. The truth that you and I both believe and are walking in, and love, and live out. And he follows it up by saying, and it's not just me, but all who love the truth also love you. Because we love the truth, and you love the truth. And the truth, of course, is a person. Jesus says in John 14, I am the way, the truth, and the life. And so the truth is the word of God, and the word of God, Jesus Christ, the Logos. It is God's speech. God is reality, and therefore what is true is that which accords to him. What accords with reality is the truth. And we have a collection of people that love the truth, are walking in the truth, are eager to know the truth, to be reminded of the truth, to compare their lives and their thinking and their behaviors and their attitudes and their actions to the truth. And John says that builds a community of love. A love that endures through persecution. A love that thrives even under suffering. A love that is real. Not based on ideology, not based on politics, not based on common interest, but an actual community of actual, true, self-sacrificial, God-type love. What what binds that community together? What forms that community? Why does that community exist and why do they continue to exist? It is because of truth. They know the truth. 
because of the truth, and they walk in it. And John says, that means then that I love you and you love me because we both love the truth. Large T, truth, Jesus Christ the righteous, God. And small T, truth, the word from God and the word who is God. You can see this happening even in our culture. Individuals that you would not have put in the same room five years ago, two years ago, six months ago, are now on each other's podcasts and talking to one another. Why are these things happening? Because of a love for truth. Because a lot of what is being purported to be truth, propagated as truth in our culture, is not true. And so individuals are saying, yeah, 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 but that's not true. That, there's, not, there's, not, there's not a thing like my truth that can be contradictory to your truth and both be true. There, there's what is true. It's what accords with reality. And we have a love for truth, a love for God, and that binds us together in this community of love. It is only in the presence of honesty that love can flourish. And John says we have truth here, and because of the truth we have love. John will say, walk in the light. God is light, not walk in darkness. And so we want to be truth lovers, truth tellers, truth believers. Which in verse 2a, we see that this community then is forged in truth because of the truth that abides in us. Where does this come from? This comes from God. The originator of this is God. Apart from him, we walk in darkness. We do not know what is true. We make up our own truths. We experiment we try to find truth. And yet God is truth. And he is the one that has brought us into this community. It is because of his actions. He is the one that has revealed to us this truth. We are not good. We are not awesome. We are not amazing. We are sinners. We are evil. We are selfish. Self-absorbed. We are lost. We are not as intelligent as we like to think we are. We are sinners. And we are not the solution to that problem. We cannot, despite our best efforts, figure it out. We cannot balance the scales. Because our sin is against an infinite being, it will take an infinite punishment. We are the problem, but we are not the solution. But there is a solution, and his name is Jesus, who came in the flesh as we celebrate around this time of year, the incarnation, who lived a righteous life, died a sacrificial death, and raised to life again from the dead victoriously, conquering sin and death. He is the only Lord of lords and King of kings. He is the only Savior. We know this truth. And we only know this truth because of God who revealed it to us. God who revealed himself to us. And this truth now abides in us. God the Holy Spirit, third member of the Trinity, indwells every single person who is in the truth, who has repented of their sins and in faith believed in Jesus Christ and only in Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior.
There's a resonation here then with the truth. We wander. We, we slide. Nobody coasts into righteousness. Nobody slides into holiness, right? We drift, but the truth always brings us back. And as we are discussing with our fellow truth tellers and truth lovers, this resolves every discussion. Because this is truth. There is authority here. And there is the truth of the Holy Spirit in us. How many times have we had a conversation and it didn't go well? Largely because of our attitudes, actions, and speech. And we're not even two steps away from that person and the Holy Spirit grips us and say, you've sinned. You need to make that right. When we listen to the Holy Spirit in us, it, it guides us. It keeps us on the path to truth, on the way to Jesus Christ. And notice that this community then endures and will be with us forever. Grace, mercy, and peace will be with us from God the Father and from Jesus Christ the Father's Son in truth and love. This community endures. There are many different types of communities. When COVID hit, all the introverts of the world rejoiced. You mean it's now government mandated that I don't have to be around people? Excellent. And that lasted all of about 48 hours. And then even the introverts were like, I kind of miss being around people. I need some other people in my life. And so they began to look for community. Online communities, gaming communities, communities around going to the gym, communities around a love and affection for Jeeps or other things or crocheting or whatever it might be. We need fellowship, we need community. But if we want community that is everlasting, if we want community that is infinite, if we want community that endures, it has to be based on and forged through the one who is infinite and eternal and endures, and that is God. Only God can form this community and only God can bring this community all the way to him and be with him forever. This community endures forever. And so let me ask you, have you thought about this reality when you posted that thing that you took another Christian to task publicly? Do you not understand that the brother or sister in Christ that you just dragged on Twitter might be your next door neighbor in the eternal state? This community here at Grace Baptist Church is not just for this moment in time, although we are thankful for it. This is an enduring community, a lasting community, which means that you're going to be spending forever with these people. Go ahead, take a look around. These are your neighbors in the eternal state. Okay? Can we not start practicing that now? During this period of time, we have been ripped apart, isolated, divisive, and destructive. Far more than we ever should have been. What happened to rejoicing with those who also rejoice in the truth? What happened with the truth being the center thing? Since when did someone's vaccination status have anything to do with this word of God? Since when did somebody's vaccination status have anything to do with the truth? We have had more posts on social media about stuff that doesn't matter and far less posts about things that do during this time. And it grieves me. 
and it should grieve you. We are going to have disagreements about all kinds of things. But if we agree on this, that we are all sinners saved by the only Savior, Jesus Christ the righteous, then we will not only spend this life together, but life eternal together. And may that be our focus. Truth, then, is an enduring reality. Notice in the second place, it is also a lived reality. It is not just something that endures, that is bedrock solid and, un- and undergirds everything. It actually is lived out. Notice in verse 4, truth has a lived reality. Truth is evident in a transformed life. I rejoiced greatly, John said, to find some of your children walking in the truth, just as we were commanded by the Father. Truth is not merely an intellectual pursuit. Truth is not merely assent to propositional statements. Truth impacts our lives, or it ought to. If something is true, it ought to impact how we think, how we behave, how we speak. And John says, I know that the people to whom I'm writing believe the truth because they are living out the truth. They have joy. They have peace. They have love. They have gentleness. They have integrity, nobility, gratitude, compassion, grace, mercy, truth, love. They have these things evident in their lives. If you had to go before a jury and the evidence of your life just in the last 24 months was the only evidence submitted for whether or not you are a follower of Jesus Christ, what would the verdict be? John said, I've heard that some of your children are walking in the truth. It's evident their lives have been transformed. They don't hold grudges like they used to. They now forgive. They're not harsh like they used to be. They're now kind. They're gentle. They're loving. And the things that get them excited are the things of Jesus. And the things that they're not as excited about are the things that don't matter. Notice in the second place then, truth is a lived reality. Truth expresses itself in loving obedience. What is this commandment that John says? It's the same one we've had from the beginning. It's not a new commandment. And the commandment is to love one another. We love one another by obeying God and his word. And we obey God and his word by loving one another, John says, verses 5 and 6. The commandment we've had from the beginning, love God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength, and love one another as you already love yourself. And Jesus reiterates that for us. It is our... They are our core values. Love God, love people, serve others. And John said, it's not just that I've heard they're doing some Christian-y type things. I know they're walking in the truth because they're living according to this commandment. The one that's not a new commandment, we've had it from the beginning. Does this individual love God with all the heart, soul, mind, and strength, and do they love others as they already love themselves? Is it evident in their sacrifice, in their hospitality, in their generosity, in the words that they speak, and the attitudes that they have? Is it evident because what they say in front of someone's face is the same thing they say behind their back? Is it evident how they use their time and their resources and their money and all of these things? Is it evident? Of course, we know this is impossible on our own. You can't manufacture love of God and love of neighbor. It doesn't come from within. 
because we love ourselves. We are self-absorbed from the womb. This is a work of God. So you notice miracles. Miracles get people's attention. And anyone who acts in a way that honors God and loves others, that's a miracle. Because that's not who we are. And so when that happens, we see it and say, God, that's God at work. God's here. God's doing that. Notice in the third place, though, the truth is aware and alert. Because this type of unity, this type of love, will be attacked by the evil one and by our own flesh and by the system around us. For many deceivers have got out into the world, those who do not confess the coming of Jesus Christ in the flesh. Such a one is the deceiver and the antichrist. Watch yourselves. So may not lose what we have worked for, but may win a full reward. Be on guard. Watch, he says. Same thing Paul told us a couple sermons ago as we wrapped up Romans 16. Be alert. Be awake. Be aware. This doesn't happen apart from the working of God. But it is something we need to guard and we need to protect. Because anybody that comes in and says this can happen apart from the work of God, anybody who denies the gospel, anybody who denies that all of this is only of God, anybody who says Jesus plus, and definitely Jesus negative, watch, Paul, uh, John says, watch out. They are not to be followed, they are not to be believed. And again, this is not, watch out for somebody that disagrees with you on whether or not to wear masks, or somebody disagrees with you about COVID. That's not, that's not in the text, okay? It doesn't say that. It says, watch for someone who denies Jesus Christ has come in the flesh. Watch for someone who denies the gospel. We have elevated non-essential items to essential status. And things that are secondary and tertiary have now become primary. And how did we get here? We need correction. We need to go back and say, what is, what is true? What is the core? That is what we need. And then notice verses 9 through 11. Truth protects the truth in love. Everyone who goes on ahead and does not abide in the teaching of Christ does not have God. Anybody who goes past the gospel, anybody who wants more than Jesus, anybody who says we can do this on our own, or we need these things in addition to Christ. Anybody who progresses past Jesus loses Jesus. Anybody who believes they've outgrown God loses God. And this is what John is saying. Be watch, be careful. As someone has said, the gospel is not the first class you take in Christianity. It's like kindergarten. And then once you learn some things, you move beyond the gospel to the next class, and the next class, and the next class. No, 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 no. The gospel is the class, the, the, the building in which all the classrooms reside. The gospel is the building. You don't get beyond the gospel. Paul says this to the churches in Galatia. Paul says this to the church in Rome. Everywhere he writes and everywhere he goes, he says this is the gospel. Now understand, the gospel is so simple that a child can understand it and so complex that scholars will study it for their entire careers and not plumb the depths of it. You don't get beyond the gospel. God's grace to us through Jesus Christ. You don't get beyond that. And John says, watch out. Someone goes ahead beyond the teachings of Christ, they've lost God. Whoever abides in the teaching has both the Father and Son. So if anybody comes to you and does not bring this teaching, the gospel, 
Do not receive him into your house or give him any greeting, for whoever greets him takes part in his wicked works. He's not talking about somebody coming to your door at your home. I believe since he's writing to a church, the house here is the church. Do not allow someone in the pulpit or teaching in any context that, is a, that denies the gospel, that adds to the gospel, takes away from the gospel, that wants to progress beyond the teachings of God's word. Well, these things are old. And they're archaic. They're not relevant. We need, we need reform. We need change. Sometimes we do. But to draw us back to the word, not to take us beyond. And so the truth protects the truth in love. Go ahead. Take a drive around the island. And take note of how many empty church buildings are here on our island. Places where people used to gather. Places where people used to sing. Praise to God. Hear the gospel of God. Hear the truth of God's word. And they now are empty. And buildings are being sold as, as private residences. And we have a denomination in this country which used to preach the gospel and now has a pastor in the denomination who is an atheist. How do we go from the truth to lies? One lie at a time. One step. Every generation has the potential to lose the truth. We allow it one lie at a time, and John says, be awake, be aware. The truth is something to be protected. He's not denying what he says about love. He's not denying what he says about hospitality. He's going to write a third small epistle about hospitality. We're going to look at that next Sunday. The apostle of love, who uses that word probably more than any other word, especially in his gospel, this apostle says the truth is that serious. And if you love it, you need to protect it. Not harshly, not an abandonment of love, but because of love, we have to protect what is true. So truth is an enduring reality. It shows itself in an enduring community of love forged in truth. It is a lived-out reality. It shows itself in a transformed life, expressed in loving obedience, and it is aware and alert to those who would attack it. And understand that if Satan can isolate you, he is already starting to win that battle. He wants to isolate individual Christians and he wants to isolate churches from each other. An isolated Christian is a Christian in a very, very precarious and dangerous position. Which leads us then to the third reality is that truth is communal. Truth is a communal reality, verses 12 and 13. Notice that it thrives in personal contact. Though I have much to write to you, I would rather not use paper and ink. Instead, I hope to come to you and talk face to face. John says... There, there's something missing when we're not in each other's presence. It's almost like John knew the limits of Zoom. We are thankful for technology. We're thankful for opportunities that we have to gather in many different ways. But there is nothing that can replace what we're doing here right now. There's nothing that can replace face-to-face -face gathering. Face-to-face -face gathering is what causes truth to thrive. Because online, you can be whoever you want. And in, in the distance, you can be a fake version of you. And I just, again, remind you that Facebook and Twitter and Instagram and all these things are not real. They're fake. I was listening to a stand-up comedian, and he was doing a 
a set. He was talking about how he and his wife got away for the weekend, and as the weekend started, it was the weekend at the coast, and she called this structure that brings mariners safely into the harbor a life house. And he said, no, it's called a lighthouse. You know, it's got a big light on the top. And, of course, that went over well. And so the rest of the weekend, they were at loggerheads. They were either openly fighting or they were giving each other a cold shoulder. Right? It's a lighthouse. No, it's a life house. And everybody who's been married knows that you've had arguments about things that are sillier than that. But th this is the reality, right? We all live this. And later on that next week, after the weekend away, he's looking at his wife's Facebook page and she took a picture of them on the beach, kind of a selfie, with a lifehouse slash lighthouse in the background. And she posts on Facebook, what an amazing weekend away with my husband. Perhaps the only two seconds of the entire weekend where they weren't fighting. Please understand, an online life is not a real life. It's not real. It's fake. This, and gathering together in our community groups, and gathering together whenever it is face-to-face, -face, that's real. And the real you, you can't hide for very long. You can hide it online. You can create yourself and recreate yourself to whoever you want to be. And if you don't see someone for a week or a month or a year, you can, you can project whoever you want to that person. But to do life together, that is truth. And the real you is going to be evidenced very quickly. And that's a good thing. Because it is there that accountability comes into play. It is there that we grow. Every single one of us in here this morning and watching online is almost like we're wrapped in sandpaper. We have the Holy Spirit opportunity to rub the rough edges off of each other and to have the rough edges rubbed off of us. But it only happens through personal contact. It can't happen any other way. But John says, I long to be with you in person. A letter's great. A phone call is wonderful. Zoom is great. But it doesn't replace face-to-face -face contact. And ask yourself this, how many times have you received a text, email, Facebook message, or whatever, and you detected in that tone? I didn't like that person's tone. Again, so let me put this out there. You can't detect tone in 2D communi communication. You need the face-to-face. -face. What is the body language? Right? The best we have is emojis. I didn't like you the other night, or like what you did the other night. Happy face emoji. All right. Just kidding. My love language is sarcasm. That doesn't play on texts. Unless you know me well, I hesitate to use my love language because it can really come across poorly when you get a text from me. This guy's a jerk. You need face-to-face -face contact, and, and that's what Paul, John says to us. And then he says, notice he goes on, he goes even further. What does he say? Second place, truth-filled fellowship completes our joy so that our joy may be complete. He started by saying, I love this church because you love the truth and I love the truth and therefore we love one another. But how much more would our joy be complete if we were together? Not in denial of all the rough edges. Not in denial of all the realities. But dealing with those realities through the gospel. Reconciliation is possible. If God can reconcile us to him, he can reconcile any Christian to any other Christian. We deal with things. We're family. 
And when we're together, it completes our joy. It's so much better as a communal reality. And then notice, truth rejoices in truth. The children of your elect sister greet you. The church from which John is writing, he says, they greet you. What a joy it is to be a part of coalitions and to be a part of the fellowship. For far too long, churches everywhere, but certainly here in the Maritimes, have just been basically outposts, insular outposts unto themselves. And what a joy even a couple Saturdays ago to drive up to Alberton and be together with some men, almost a hundred guys from all different denominations. Talk to the pastor up in Alberton. He, he figures between 15 and 20 different churches represented by men there. That's a joy. It ought to be a joy. We are not the only ones following Jesus. And we're not the only ones that have it right. We ought to rejoice with other churches and other Christians. Truth rejoices in the truth wherever the truth may be found. We ought to have a global view of things. So what is our response then, Grace Baptist, this morning? Are we living in truth and love? Are we living this out? Not in our own strength. We can't. That's impossible. But are we reminding ourselves daily of the gospel, the core of the gospel, and not adding to it or taking away from it, but reminding ourselves that this is the truth, and wherever this truth is believed and lived out, those are our brothers and sisters. And when we can be together with them and do life together with them, our joy is complete. Maybe we be walking in the truth, loving the truth, living out the truth, and encouraging everyone who is doing the same. We have been in tribes in for far too long, and it's killing us. We need each other. Wherever there's a light, even if it's a little tiny nightlight, encourage that light. It's shining in the darkness. We need each other's encouragement. We need each other's accountability truth. Let us believe it and walk in it. Let's do the Lord in prayer this morning. Father, thank you. Thank you for the opportunity to be together as Grace Baptist Church this morning. And we are thankful for those that are watching online. It is not the same as being here, to be sure. But Father, we do appreciate the technology that does exist. But may there always be that longing to be together whether that's with just one other couple or one other person from Grace Baptist or a group of any kind, Father. May we reach out to one another, encourage each other in the truth. Where we see individuals reconciling where there had been a conflict, Father, may we celebrate that together. We see someone struggling, reach out, Father. See how we can help. Come alongside, love one another. Strive together for truth. Father, it seems the truth is in short supply. And yet we are grateful that even when your servant Elijah believed he was the only one in the whole nation of Israel that had not bowed to Baal. And Father, there are days where we can understand his perspective. God says, I have left a remnant. Father, help us to rejoice in the truth. Proclaim the truth. Focus on the truth and not on all these rabbit trails we can go down. Father, there is a path to you. And there are many side roads. Keep us on the main road, Father, I pray.
And we pray all these things in the powerful name of Jesus. Amen.